Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to attend my next live training on Friday, August 14th at noon Eastern. I'm going to be talking about technology and your productivity. Now to register, just click the link in the show notes or click the banner at my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. On the show today, speaking of technology, Scott Christensen, we're going to be talking about technology addiction. Are you addicted to technology, to your social media apps? We've got a lot of ideas to talk about today. So enjoy this conversation with Scott Christensen. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mark. It is an honor to have you on the show. And we have to give people a little background of what brought you here on this podcast on July 23rd, 2020. You had reached out to me and we had an initial conversation. All my guests uh, unless they're A-listers. I never had an A-lister on the show yet, so don't feel slighted, Scott. Uh, A-listers don't have to go through the screening process. If right. Oprah wants to be on my show, we'll just have a conversation, <laughs> but don't take offense to that. But when we have a conversation, you said, um, a lot. And I, I, I was kind of like, well, I don't know if that's going to work out. And then you said, well, let me try something. So share with us what you did and how you corrected your ums. Well... What I did was I, I teach at the University of Missouri, so I'm a teaching professor, so I get to teach a lot of students. In fact, last semester, I had over 800 students. Mm. So in a couple of my classes, I said, each day, I will let two students team up, and they can track my ums and ums and other verbal tics, and I will donate 25 cents for every one of those that they track during the course to whatever charity they want. And I found that I did that a lot, as you <laughs> noticed as well. Uh, there are some uh, interesting things about it. You can get better. You can learn to think and slow down. And one of the things that I think I have a problem with is I get very excited, especially when I'm talking about some of these topics. Mm -hmm. And I, my mind gets ahead of my speech. And so then those booms and ums come in. Yep. Now my main problem is if I do do one of those ums or ums, then my brain is like, put the brakes on. <laughs> I can't think anymore <laughs> except about those ums and ums. But I have been also listening to myself and we continued that on uh, throughout the course, even when we went online. So we raised about $200 for the food bank. Wow. <laughs> and I did track it every day and it got lower and lower. But there was another side effect was when I was talking to my students about this is I told them how I have objectives and then I try to have these key results to improve on how I try to get more productive. How do I try to get better at what I'm doing? And a lot of students came up to me and said, boy, I really appreciate you saying that because I thought we were the only ones that were struggling. And I think that sometimes as a professor, we don't realize that our students view us as this kind of fully formed somebody who has it together. <laughs> but in fact, it's all just a charade. We've had an extra 30 years to hide our flaws or to uh, get used to our flaws. 
but telling them that I'm trying to get better all the time, uh, help them understand this continuous process. Yes, I heard from Brendan Burchard, who is someone I train, you know, train under. He doesn't know who I exist, but I, I, you, you know, read his books and courses and whatnot. And he says, any expert is a student first. They always want to get better every day. When I heard that, I'm like, wow, that's, that's very profound. So listener, I hope that you are a student first, no matter what you're doing. I don't care where you are in the world. I hope you have an attitude that I want to learn something new every single day. And our goal on this conversation is to teach you something. And we're going to talk about technology addiction. But before we get there, you already mentioned your professor at the University of Missouri, you said? Yes, right here in Columbia, Missouri, right about in the center of the state. Okay. And how long have you been doing that? I started as an adjunct while I was still running my own business in 20, 2007 and went full-time in 2000, uh, 2014, rather. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, do you like being a teacher, a professor? I, I do. Okay. I do. It's a, a challenge. My students challenge me in new ways, especially when we get into lab classes and they'll... Uh, go down some rabbit hole that I've never thought of before <laughs> and I'll ask questions I've never thought of. So if you really want to learn a subject, teach it. Right. Mm. And I'm sure you found that with trying to teach productivity. Oh, 100%. Be, yeah. 100%. And what's interesting is you and I were recording this conversation. We're, we're on zoom video right now. Cause I, it's kind of weird. Just look at my computer when I'm talking to someone, but the people are listening to this and, and we're going to talk about technology addiction. Now I always say, the technology is a blessing and a curse. And we, as human beings, we get to choose whether it's a blessing or a curse. A lot of people don't realize this phenomenon known as endless scrolling was designed by social media so you never leave the platform. It wasn't like to help you. It was to keep you there. So what are your? let's start at the, the, the ground level. What are your initial thoughts about this paralyzing epidemic? I mean, we're going through COVID-19 right now, but we also have had an epidemic, in my opinion, of technology addiction. And when I say that, I mean you know, social media, I mean, our apps, I mean, you know, our phones are like part of our bodies now. So give us your initial thoughts on that. Yeah, it's very disturbing. This technology, especially social media apps, is designed to be addictive. In fact, there's a textbook by BJ Fogg called Persuasive Technologies, and it talks about endless scrolls, it talks about likes, random rewards. So all the things that the casinos used in Las Vegas to get us addicted while we're there, the staying at the slot machine, is now used in the social media apps. And not only is it deployed against people like you and me, but it's being deployed against very young individuals or young adults, teenagers, whose brains aren't even fully formed yet. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, really disturbing. And we're going to see some effects of that for a long time. There was a case oh, about a month ago that was especially disturbing. And that was with an investing app called Robinhood. And they have taken some of the same gamification, endless scrolling, random rewards, and put that into this trading app for trading stocks. And what the problem is with that is people can get into trouble by not understanding what they're doing. And in mm -hmm. fact, there was a young gentleman that killed himself after thinking that he was $700,000 in the red, that he had lost that oh, amount wow. of money. And really, the app was really just saying, if you exercise these options, you will lose this amount of money. But he didn't understand that. So it used to be if you wanted to do these types of complicated 
options trading, you know, you'd have to go find some guy somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he would have to trust you that you'd have money and you'd be qualified in some way to do this type of uh, investing. But now that we've added these gamifications over even to investing apps, it's really disturbing you know, the effect it can have on people's mental health. And when you get back to just social media and you look at things like Instagram and, you know, even YouTube, if we count that as social media, the amount of time that's being spent is just enormous. I recently had my cl- class do an exercise with a social media diet. So assess how much time you're spending and then take a day off. Some of these students are spending nine to 10 hours a day. Mm. Now, I think some of that is related to the COVID crisis right now. We're all feeling more anxious, and you've probably seen the term doom scrolling, yep. where we're all just <laughs> looking through. Yep. Uh, I saw a funny cartoon where there was a husband late at night doom scrolling, and his wife said to him, don't worry, it'll be worse tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that, that is so true. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. Gamification, again, like technology, can be a blessing and a curse. Now, I believe exactly. in gamifying your productivity. So I use an app called Streaks. And you know, if you want to create a new habit, so gamification that way is okay. But what you're saying with the stock market app, it's not. So we have to, I, I think people are losing sight of the fact that we are the human beings. And I keep saying this over and over again to let people know, well, I, I can't not be on Facebook. Yeah, you can. Turn your phone off. See how well Facebook right. works for you then. You have the power to control it. I tell people, listen, if you're addicted, first thing you do, turn off all notifications. If that doesn't work, move the app to another screen. If that doesn't work, remove the app from your phone. If that doesn't work, you can actually delete your account. I promise you, Mark Zuckerberg is not going to come to your house. You right. have got to maintain control because we've all heard horror stories where people meet their love of their lives on an app, mainly younger girls, and they're found up dead. You know, cause you really, you can lie. I mean, you could lie and, and you could post any picture you want on social media. And I think people are far more trusting on technology, period, whether it's social media or email. They just trust it because it's been around, but we don't realize that technology that we have today is not really that new. I mean, that old. I'm 55. And when I went to high school, I graduated in high school in 1983, graduated from college in 2001. They were just coming in the technology. So te- this technology hasn't been around for 50, 60 years. It's still, to use an old phrase, still wet behind the ears. Yes, yes. And it's hard for you and I to relate to some of my students who have not known a time when there wasn't the internet, yes. when there wasn't social media apps, and there wasn't YouTube. And so that's a little bit difficult to, for me sometimes to put myself in their shoes, but I'm trying to understand more about what they're going through with social media. I think that idea of taking a social media diet is a good one to just start to see where you're at, because you probably didn't start using social media four hours a day, right? right? You, you know, oh, you know, I got on this Instagram thing, I use it for 10 minutes, now I've used it for 12, so forth and so on. And these things kind of creep up on you, just like other addictions, like drinking or, or smoking or something like that. It gets worse and worse. With, and so stepping away from it allows you to really assess what's going on with your life. But there's a lot of things that you just uh, said there that uh, are very important. That idea that you're on Instagram not only can you see that you're not invited to the party, you can see it going on, mm-hmm. right? 
and feel worse and worse. When you and I were in high school, maybe Monday morning, we found out that our friends had a great party (laughs) Friday night and we felt kind of left out. Maybe we were bummed out for a little bit, but it's not quite the same uh, experience. And so you're starting to see self-harm and suicide rates going up amongst teenagers. And there has been some research that ties that or at least correlates it to social media use. It's very difficult to, you know, kind of run an experiment on that, but it does appear that there's some effect there. And so that's very disturbing to me when we start to look at uh, just our mental health. Mm -hmm. And even with people our age, suicide rates are going up. And in fact, I think the last two years in the U.S., the average life expectancy is going down. Wow. You know? And so that's uh, very disturbing. A lot of it is also opi- opioid, uh, post-traumatic stre- stress syndrome from various wars coming back. So there's a lot of contributing factors, but we don't really see that in the news. We see the stock market, Yes. right? But maybe these are some metrics that we should start to be measuring. The other thing I wanted to mention is you talked about infinite scroll and likes and various features of these social media apps that keep us on them. But it's even worse than that because there's a form of an artificial intelligence called machine learning Mm -hmm. that is being deployed in these applications. And it will use my patterns of behavior to keep me on the site because time on site is king for these apps because that gets them to show me more ads and they make more ad revenue. So that's why if you're on YouTube and you start to click on, you know, something that has a little bit of a conspiratorial tone to it, you start to get into the flat earth society pretty quickly. And that's because they know that a person like Scott with this profile will spend more time on site if I give him these more and more fantastical videos. And it does machine learning algorithm is designed to get me to spend as much time on the site, not to become more informed, to have more civil discourse to have better mental health. So you're exactly right. The technology is always kind of this balance. So I like my Fitbit and my gamification. In fact, I've got a daily challenge for my friend Wally. (laughs) And so I'm going to be out there today uh, taking a couple walks so that I can beat him in that game. (laughs) So uh, there's some good aspects to gamification. And I like to use gamification in my classes. We often use various games to help students learn different concepts, and they will learn it better because it activates different pathways in your brain than hearing me just listen. But those pathways can also be activated to form this kind of dopamine response where you get this addiction quality. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before how on Monday mornings at school, we had to find out what we missed that day. Now you can live broadcast. I have mixed feelings on live broadcast. Of course, we've all seen the videos where people have been shot on live video. What are your thoughts on the ability to go live on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok? And I don't think Snapchat has it yet. And you can go live on YouTube. And what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on that, especially for the younger generation, but as overall as well? Well, I'll pick on Facebook here. Uh, There have been several cases where there have been suicides, murders, other things live broadcast. Facebook never seemed to grasp the idea that this could even happen. So first of all, I think our technology companies need to assess when they're deploying something, how could this end up as a Black Mirror episode or a Twilight episode Mm -hmm. or some other horrible thing that could happen? Yeah, exactly. How could this be in the news? Um, I think there's other ways that we can slow things down. 
So maybe Mark wants to do live broadcasting, but first he's going to do some live broadcasts, but we'll buffer it. Mm. You know, we're going to hold on to it for a couple hours. So it's not really totally live. So there's some other ways that they could slow down the process. They could bet that this account has been around for five years. So maybe this person is less likely to be a terrorist that's just now created this account for this specific purpose. So a lot of these companies have not only optimized for growth on site, or uh, I'm sorry, for time on site, but for growth of users. Okay, so that's one of the things that they really optimize for. And I just got done reading a good book called No Filter about the starting of Instagram. And it was really clear in there that Facebook, once they bought Instagram, was still really worried that people were spending more time on Instagram than Facebook because they wanted to grow that market in Facebook. And of course, Facebook has copied a lot of the things that were in Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so it's fairly difficult to see how this is going to end well. Yeah, I I get that. And something else you talked about, you talked about metrics. I want to go back to that because I'm a big fan of getting rid of all metrics. I think the user should be able to see the metrics. I think too many people are evaluating the quality of a post not by yes. the video or the post, the content. They go, oh, this has a lot of likes. This has a lot of views. This has a lot of shares. It must be good. And most people, I believe, I have no data to back this up, aren't even looking at the posts, maybe like videos or something like that. And I think they should get rid of metrics because I've heard stories, and maybe you can uh, give us some insight on this, where kids will post something on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat. Well, I know you can't like things on Snapchat, but on a, a platform where you can like, if they don't get a certain number of likes in a certain amount of time, they remove it and they feel that they've failed. And so that's yes. why I think we should get rid of metrics, except for the, the from the perspective of the user. Yes, that is uh, exactly correct. Uh, my students talk about that all the time, that they need to have so many likes. And also there's this social contract. I like Mark's stuff. Why doesn't he like my stuff? Mm, yeah. Well, now I'm not going to follow Mark or I'm going to start dissing <laughs> on Mark because he doesn't enter the social contract, this implied contract. So like I said, there's a lot of things that I'm trying to learn from my students. I did have an interesting experience the first time I proposed this social media diet. I made it as an optional exercise. I had about 40 students in the class and I challenged them who's willing to step up and do this. And nobody was willing. Well, uh, finally, this one girl said, okay, I will do it. Well, what are the ages of your students? Give us some context. Oh, they're probably 21, 22, something okay. like that. What was fascinating was as she was starting to delete her apps off of her phone. Oh, she actually deleted them off her phone. Wow. Yeah, so, so she said, I just said, delete it, the apps. You don't have to delete your account. So she started to delete them. All the other students became very defensive and were like, you need to give her extra credit. <laughs> and I thought this is interesting because it, the message I received was you don't understand the sacrifice she's making. And, you know, old man, <laughs> you don't really understand the world. Cause I had asked her to do it from a Thursday all the way to the next Tuesday. So it was oh, a long so period. not like for the rest of the year. No, no, it was just for a short period of time. Okay. But, it was clear to me that the students had a different understanding of what that meant <laughs> than what I did. And I'm, I'm just trying to understand right now the experience that they're going through with social media, what these pressures are. I do find that a lot of my students did, 
do the social media diet, all of a sudden discover that they get better sleep. So they don't have to get up at 10 a.m. anymore. They can actually get up at a normal time because they're not spending all night scrolling through Instagram. Wow. So that's kind of a revelation for a lot of them. Yeah. A couple of things I want to talk about. People ask me, okay, I'm so addicted to social media. What can I do? Well, the first thing I say is set a timer. A lot of people go on social media and because there's nothing other than you falling unconscious because you're asleep, getting off social media, set a timer. Go get an obnoxious timer. Even if you guys spend 99 cents, a buck 50 at the app store, go get an obnoxious timer and maybe set it for an hour, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. Then do whatever you want to do on social media. But when that timer goes off, you need to get off of social media. And when you build this muscle up, then you'll say, okay, I'd rather go read a book instead of being on social media. But I see people all the time in the supermarkets, instead of having, holding the conversations, you and I are old enough to remember, you stand in line at a supermarket, you start a conversation, oh, how's it going, talk to the kid. Now we're rolling on our phone. we got three minutes, we're going to check social media. Why? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we don't, uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Cal Newport. He wrote... Um, Dark work, uh, dark work, deep work, and digital uh, minimalism. Yeah. And he says, we don't embrace silence anymore. We're, we're always feel like we have to be doing something, but it's okay just to stand in line and look around. But we are so obsessed that I may miss something. FOMO is really real in our world today. Yep. That was exactly what I was going to say. It's that fear of missing out. And that young student that I was mentioning, I was asking her, why don't you want to take this social media diet. And she says, well, I might miss something. So, okay, well, what happened three weeks ago on Snapchat? <laughs> and she says, I don't know. And I'm saying, exactly. <laughs> it's not anything that's important. So when I was growing I, up, you had to wait either for the evening news. And my mom and dad always watched that one hour news is a half hour, local news, half hour, national news, or you had to read in the paper. There was no internet. There was no Twitter or anything. Right. And you had to wait. So if a plane crashed in India, at two o'clock in the afternoon, maybe they would break in, but I was in school at two o'clock in the afternoon. But my point is you didn't find out pictures and videos and testimony. All the, you didn't find that stuff out until the news. Now it's like, okay, if someone's arrested in Washington DC at two 45, I want video at two 46. I want, you know, pictures. And it's like, do we really need to know? I mean, how is that going to affect your life? What you have to do? Right now. And I think we are so obsessed with knowing, uh, figuring out what's gonna, going on right this very moment that we're not living our world. We're living the rest of the world through social media. I've been trying to get my mom to stop watching TV because of that, because she's getting more and more anxious and depressed about things. That's because she's watching the 24-hour news and yep. they have to have something to fill that in. Yep. I try to encourage her to just get the paper. I cut the cable cord boy, like four or five years ago. Oh, we did and too. I, yes. I have not seen a commercial except when in, in the barbershop. <laughs> I don't, I don't wonderful. have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's been wonderful for my mental health. Yes. Yes. And I don't worry about those things. I do keep up with the news. Uh, every morning I open my iMac and unlike you, I don't go running first thing in the morning, which I probably <laughs> should do. I instead get up with my doggies and have a cup of coffee and read the news. And that's my ritual. That's where I get my news. And then I don't check it again 
uh, till the next day. I always tell and, people, stay informed, not obsessed. So you exactly right. what you're doing. Know what's going on, but you don't need to watch the news all day long. First of all, like you said, it's just a cycle. They're just talking about the same thing over and over and over again. And that does not serve you well. It does not. It makes you, like to your point, it makes you depressed. It makes you anxious. It gets you overwhelmed. Then you can't focus on what you need to focus on. So I tell people, stay informed, not obsessed, and be very careful when you do watch the news. Make sure it's people actually giving you the facts and not your not their opinions. There's a lot of news outlets out there, I'm not going to name them on this podcast, who are more interested in giving you their opinions I don't want your opinions. I want the facts. Just tell me the facts. I remember when I was growing up, newscasts would give you the facts. They didn't give their opinions. Now it seems like everybody gives their opinions. Well, that doesn't serve me. Okay. I want, I want facts. And it sounds like you're the same, uh, same kind of guy I am. Yeah. Uh, I agree a hundred percent with that. And I think one of the, going back to one of the things that you mentioned, and I think maybe Carl Newport talks about is this idea of blocking time yes. where you block out time. So is my time first thing in the morning that productive? No, not really <laughs> uh, because I go down some rabbit holes, but I have my coffee and I enjoy that time. But then I block out other times. I also block out times to check email. So I have one time in the morning where I check email and then I do it in the afternoon. And that, for our generation, has become kind of an addiction as well, right? Yes. So we have that little timer that goes off or that little beep thing that goes off whenever we get a new email. Well, that's not very productive for us. And I find that even my professor friends have a hard time with this. There was a new uh, professor, and she was on what we call a tenure track. So it's very intense as far as the amount of research and publications you have to do that kind of deep work mm -hmm. and she said scott i'm not getting anything done because all i do is answer student emails you just got to do that like once a day and she said well what if the dean emails me well the dean never emails you and says hey scott i got some free cake for you <laughs> okay the dean emails me and says oh my god there's this report that uh, I found out about four months ago, but is due tomorrow that I forgot to collect the data on. Would you please get all this stuff to me? And it's once again, why is your procrastination my yes. emergency? Yep. So uh, if there's anything significant from the dean, it can wait till the afternoon, right? Yes. Well, I tell people if my house is on fire, don't email me. Don't send me a message. Uh, come and bang on my door. And I, what I train my clients is they give my my uh, cell phone number. I say you got a problem, you can text me. But because I have all notifications turned off for social media and for email, but I have mine for text messaging. But just because you text me doesn't mean I'm going to reply right away. Because if I'm doing something that requires my focus, the phone is on do not disturb. It's face down, and I'm not looking at it. So. I realize I'm not that important. Now, my favorites can get right through, okay? So something happens to my mom or my dad, they can get right through, okay? But you got to get back control of your of your focus, and, and that's up to you. And I, I get so angry when people blame technology. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, people were saying Google and Apple have to create, you know, ways to block us from harming ourselves. I'm like... Why should they invest millions of dollars when you're the human being? You can delete that Facebook app, like you said. You can delete Instagram. Why is it up to the technology company? Because there are people think it's up to the technology companies to protect us. 
No, it's not. It's a piece of technology. You can delete the app. You don't have to be on the app. It's not a federal law. You have to be on social media. Matter of fact, I know people like Cal Newport. He's not on social media and he's doing very well. Right, exactly. I deleted my Facebook about two years ago just because I got upset with the company, (laughs) because (laughs) I was wanting to go on a social media diet. I did find that I was picking up my phone a lot Mm -hmm. and doing those things like when I was in an elevator or walking around campus. And it really has changed things because now I enjoy the beautiful trees or even if it's raining or snowing, I enjoy that because that's a different experience. And I think that's a very important point is to think about how we're enjoying our lives. How do we want to spend our lives? Are we going to end up on our deathbeds thinking, God, I wish I had posted more stuff on Facebook. (laughs) Yes. There's a book by a nurse in Australia called five regrets of the dying. That was written a number of years ago. And they were talking about, I wish I would spent more time with my family. They wish they didn't go to any meetings, but you can actually bring that into 2020 and no one's going to say, I wish I would like one more Facebook post, one more Instagram post. I wish I want to go on live one more time on YouTube. No one says that we got to realize that their friends on social media are not really friends. Again, friends on in, in, on Instagram and other social media sites, but there are friends on social media, and there are true friends. And I think people are they are confusing the two, in my opinion. When we're looking at all of our friends lists on Facebook, you're exactly right. These aren't all of our close friends. And if you think about it, some people have said that we are the sum of the five people that we interact with the most. So think about those five people that are closest to you. Maybe there's some that you shouldn't be close to. Maybe they're not good for you, right? Maybe you don't want to be a sum of that person. But also think about the attention you're giving them, the attention you're giving your partner, your family. I think that we will end our lives and be much more happier if we can think about the love that we've given rather than the posts that we've made on Facebook. 100%. Well, we've covered a lot of ground on our time together today, Scott, and a little inside information that the listener doesn't know. I'm going to tell you now because this is the kind of guy I am. We had like a 20-minute gap between uh, my last uh, statement and Scott's because my computer goes, nope. I'm done and I'm sweating bullets over here, but we finally got it uh, back going. So thank you so much for your patience, guys. I just want to address that the audience has no idea what just happened, but because it was seamless to them, but I just wanted to share it because I, I want them to understand that things happen and it was out of my control. So Scott, where can we find out more about you online? Cause I'm sure you are online because you're a cool professor. Well, I have a website. It's christiansonjs.com. You can find me there. You can probably Google me and you'll find me uh, various places as well. I also have a little newsletter that I send out to my friends and colleagues. I actually started this after I deleted my Facebook because I still wanted them to stay in contact. And if you go to FRT, Free Range Technologists is what it stands for, .news, you can see old issues there and subscribe if you want. There's no real advertising or anything like that. It's just me sharing books I read, some new interesting uh, simulation for AI or something like that. Nice. What, what, topic, what subjects do you teach in cows, by the way? So I mainly teach information systems and project management because I'm what they call professionally qualified to teach. So I don't have a PhD, but because I ran an IT business for many years and have a lot of experience and certifications in these areas, I'm allowed to teach these certain courses. And I do a lot with emerging technologies, so a lot about AI, a lot about blockchain, other technologies like that. Interesting. You know, when I was in uh, college and high school, I said... 
I'm no water your teacher. No way. Now I'm an online trainer. And I, I love right. what I do. It's I don't know when that, that switch flipped, but I'm glad it did because I love, love what I do now. I love serving the people who listen to me or watch my training. And it's amazing because when you can affect so many people, it's it gives you a great feeling. And and about six months before COVID, I decided I didn't want to be a speaker anymore in terms of going out on the road. I you know, I was approaching my fifty fifth birthday. I didn't want to right. live out of a suitcase, out of an Uber, out of a hotel. And I'm like, you know, I could do this from my home. So so when I do live training from my home, when I'm done, I walk out of my home office and I can be with my wife. I don't have to go to the airport or anything like that. So it, mm-hmm. the draw of being on the road doesn't interest me anymore. And now with COVID, I think a lot more people are going to be doing training from the comfort of their home where they can save a ton of money on travel and hotel expenses. I think that we're going to also see a lot more tools that are going to be not just video conferencing like we're doing here on Zoom, but are going to be optimized for doing that type of training, for doing group work. So I think we're going to start to see a lot of those things deployed in the next six months. And so I'm very excited about it. I'm like you. I'm actually participating in a lot more training because I don't have to drive to Kansas (laughs) City. I don't have to fly somewhere. So I'm much more likely to do it. And it's also nice because if I do have an appointment and then something comes up, so if you were one of my students and I had to drive to campus to meet you somewhere and then you didn't show up, I'm going to be kind of upset. Yeah. If you don't connect to my Zoom room, well, I'm doing something else. Yeah. So uh, it's fine. So I like it a lot. I think there's a lot of good things we can take from it. I do hope we take some uh, clo- closeness and appreciation for those around us. Absolutely. hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. You gave us a lot of information. And like I always tell you, all you have to do listener is do one thing that Scott told you just one, don't overwhelm yourself. Maybe you delete a nap. Maybe you, you set a timer, whatever the case may be, do something as a result of listening to this episode. Just don't go on to the next podcast, do something because Tony Robbins says it's better to move in the wrong direction than not move at all. Cause you can always change direction. So go do something as a result of our time together. Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Mark. And just before we go, don't forget to register for my next live training on Friday, August 14th at noon Eastern. I'm going to be talking about technology and your productivity. To register, click the link in the show notes or click the banner at the top of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, Mr productivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.